With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Blog Talk Radio. Wing it. Wing it. Welcome to another episode of Winging It Motown Radio. This is Peter. I'm your host for tonight. Joining me is Mike. How's it going, Mike? I am winging it just outside of Motown tonight. Fantastic. Also joining us tonight is Lauren. Lauren, how are you doing tonight? I am doing good. I am not studying like I should be. <laughs> I guess that's good. I'm, I'm going to go with good. Um, <laughs> as long as you study later, of course. Yeah. Uh, last but not least is JJ. How are you doing, JJ? Uh, greatest night ever. <laughs> All right. It's been a while since our last episode. Uh, even though we are in the doldrumest of the summer doldrums, we have had some things happen recently that we're going to talk about tonight. So first up, let's talk about the uh, Tomas Tatar contract. Tatar and the Red Wings went through the arbitration process. They had a hearing. The two sides were able to agree on a four-year, $5.3 million AAV contract before the arbit- uh, sorry, arbitrator released his, uh, his award. Uh, Craig Custance at The Athletic reported that the process was more amiable than has happened in the past with un- other NHL players, which is obviously good to hear. Uh, we'll mix up the orders. We go through this episode's topics, but... JJ, we're going to start with you because I know you have an emotional and uh, I'm going to call it a sunk cost aspect to wanting Tatar to stay. Uh, so let's go to you first. So what are your thoughts on this situation? Uh, I, I was actually expecting by the time we uh, recorded this episode that I would be back to like more objective, but I'm still like uh, fully giddy about the fact the way this deal got done because uh, the entire time, like right up until the announcement of the signature, like we got through the arbitration hearing and I'm like, I'm trying to make peace with the concept of he's gonna, he's gone. Like he's, there's no way if this arbitration um, finishes out that, that it doesn't, it, we have to trade him and it just makes sense to, but they got him for uh, the exact amount of years that I'm, I'm happy with the, the AAV, I would have liked for it to be lower, but I could say that about anybody. Um, I'm really happy with with the AAV. I think that uh, that yeah, Ken Holland uh, deservedly takes a lot of crap for handing out uh, no movement clauses and no trade clauses. Uh, it's an it's an NTC, not a not a no movement. Um, but the way that this one is structured, with it uh, it diminishing in in capacity up in in year four when Tatar will be 30, uh, I'm I'm stoked by that too because it it will allow both the Red Wings and Tatar a little bit of flexibility uh, to continue to to get value out of him if this next version of the reload fails for whatever reason, then, I mean, for all sorts of reasons it could, then they could uh, they can move him along. So 
I'm also happy I, I don't have to get another uh, jersey because I, I had been my I, my Datsuk jersey had been my go-to, but I I still can't bring myself to wear a Datsuk, uh, and so I finally got a, a new jersey. Was a Tatar jersey last year, and I didn't want to have to like go and give somebody else a new kiss of death with a jersey. So <laughs> four more years of wearing that thing every time I head to Detroit, I'm I'm stoked. That's awesome. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the AAV on the contract. Um, I don't know if, if our listeners follow. Uh, there's a there's a writer uh, statistician Matt Kane who does free agency projections, and I mean it's not gospel. Like you know, every year there are some that are off, but if you go back and you look at you know each year, like he's pretty close on average, and he had him listed right around four point three. Um, Nyquist is at 4.7, so I think, you know, if they were going to agree on a deal, I don't think it was going to be lower than that. So I think that the Wings, you know, I would have liked to see a little bit a little bit lower, maybe around five. I was, I was saying five by five. Obviously, I like the, the four years instead of five. Um, Lauren, what do you think? Um, I'm kind of in the same boat as JJ where I'm just, like, really happy that that kind of got – it's just, like, it's done. He signed because um, I, too, was really – dreading the idea of a one-year deal because it basically did say like he's gone after this year or you know possibly during this year and I love Tatar he is one of my favorites and that would have been just really hard to deal with especially after like like I I still am like a pretty emotional fan like I um you know I I tend to take it hard with like when we trade away players so like losing one of like losing a player like Tatar would have just been like ugh, just would have just really really sucked especially after um the the season that we just kind of all suffered through together um so yeah that part of me is really happy that um that he is back for another five years and it isn't some like absurdly expensive deal like yeah it's maybe a little bit um higher uh, cap it every year than we would like, but it's it's not an absurd overpayment like you know other deals that we have on our um, our payroll right now. So I'm pretty happy. I'm I'm hoping that it will um, keep him in Detroit for a little while longer because he really seems to love it here, and of course we all love him here as well. Yeah, I know the the general feeling around winging it in Motown writers and staff was that. You know, it, it was really looking like it was going to be a one-year deal. Uh, you know, they were going to go through the arbitration process, and it seemed pretty likely that that was going to be his ticket out of town. So I, I am definitely in agreement with you that I'm I'm very, very glad that this got done. Uh, and like I said before, I mean, I think the really good news is that, you know, according to Custance, you know, this wasn't something where it was like an acrimonious uh you know, deal between the two sides like you've seen happen with some other players uh, because, you know, they, that's why nobody wants to go to arbitration. Um, Mike, what do you think? Do you have any, any other thoughts on this? Um, well, you and JJ uh, kind of talked me off the ledge about this um, maybe a day or two before the deal came out. And um, in our uh, in our kind of private chat for all the listeners, um, I, w- I was kind of livid at the whole process at all sides. So, um but data being what data is, you know, um, I, it, it seems like it's not out of line for Tatar's talent level and age. Um, I, I mean, we're looking at somebody who, you know, knock on wood, not to jinx anything here, 
is a potential 30 goal scorer, especially, you know, on some of the better teams in the league. He certainly could have netted that even this past season or, or uh, seasons past. So for him to be back on the team um, right through his prime with a swallowable cap hit um, and trade options that let us move him sooner or later, not so much in the middle, but, you know, um, gives us options now or down the road. It's it's a huge win for the organization, and if Tatar was willing to sign that, then he's got to see that as a win for him. And if he's playing happy hockey, then hopefully that means uh, pucks in nets. Yeah, Tatar, Tatar uh, the fan base seems to be uh, divided on him, at least some, some pockets of the fan base. Um, and some beat writers who will go nameless because I don't think I have to name them. Um, they like to to push these narratives of Tatar. Um, for some reason, it didn't see in, in the the Customs article I read. I didn't hear anything about um, you know the Red Wings being concerned with when he scored his goals or if he was soft or if he was too much like Gustav Nyquist. Um, <laughs> Prashanth uh, wrote a, a really interesting article for the Athletic where he looked at the stats of Nyquist and Tatar and, you know, they, they, you know, they came up as, as, uh, you know, you know, pretty either top line players or really close to being top line players. Uh, I'm working on analysis that should hopefully come out in the next couple of days. And he was, uh, he was second behind Zetterberg last year in even strength offense using the, uh, the goals against replacement um, model. And he was, also second on the team in even strength defense behind uh, Nielsen, you know, so he, he did pretty well at even strength last year. I think he was definitely one of our better players, if not our best player at even strength last year. So and part of that, I think we can all breathe shoulder. a side of relief, right? What? And part of that with a messed huh? up shoulder. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's, that's yeah. a potential concern. I mean, not a major concern, but you know, that he's, you know, is he going to be ready for the start of the season? Um, although that actually could help us out a little bit. I think that's going to be a good segue into uh, we can talk about the, the one major player that the Red Wings still have to sign, uh, Andreas Athanasiu. Basically, they have to sign two more players, him being one of them, and they don't really seem to have enough money to do it without either making a trade or doing some type of long-term injured reserve, which is where uh, Tatar could fit in. Um, let's see, I said I was going to mix it up real quick, but JJ, you are like the cap guru um so basically like start us off like like what's this what's the situation here like 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 what are the numbers that we're looking at uh like right now the red wings are uh three million dollars over the cap with everybody they've got signed but they obviously they haven't put johan franzen on ir yet so for all intents and purposes they have about nine hundred thousand dollars in cap space uh with Athanasiu still to sign and still one more forward to bring up with Athanasiu. So assuming that he is going to get around $2 million, um, the Red Wings don't have to bring up one more forward. They can just go uh, short on forwards. That would give them like, although that would give them 12, it would give them 12 forwards and eight defensemen, and that's counting uh, Luke Witkowski as a forward. So if anybody else gets uh, gets hurt, unless they're ready to go on long-term injury reserve, which requires that they miss uh, 10 games and 24 calendar days, 
then you're running into the problem of not having enough cap space. So uh, it looks like they're going to have to make roughly um, roughly two and a half million dollars worth of space somewhere, I guess. Um, obviously, Tatar starting on long-term injured reserve would ha- would help. Uh, Nicholas Cronwall's four point seven five million. Uh, Jonathan Erickson is constantly banged up at at four point two five million. Uh, we got Luke Glendening at one point eight, which could be really really tight. I mean, um, sending the guys down through waivers, the max you can clear one million and fifty thousand with uh, putting guys on waivers right now. That's the maximum you can clear with, with burying a guy in the minors. So. Uh, Cap-wise, it makes sense to to try to make room somewhere. I mean, if the cheaper Athanasiu comes in, the better. But I'd I'd be okay with still them giving him two million dollars if it's going to be a two-year deal rather than a one-year, because uh, Athanasiu is one year shy of being able to make arbitration eligibility. And so if they give him that one-year deal, that's gonna it's just kicking the can down the road. And, I mean, that's not necessarily bad, but next year they've also got Larkin and Mantha coming up. So the $10 million in space that we're expecting them to clear with, with Green and Mrazic's deals coming off, uh, really I don't know if they're going to want to chance Athanasiu also having another breakout year because I think that we're all pretty much in agreement that Essentially, what he needs to have a breakout year is just the opportunity, and he hasn't, he hasn't gotten that yet. So, um, whatever it's going to take, I mean, they're going to have to. They, they'll find a way. They can play uh, long-term injured reserve shuffle for a while. They can probably get away with that. Um, something's going to have to give sooner or later, though. Yeah, definitely. I think. Well, you know, right now we're all kind of just waiting to, wait, you know, playing wait and see, and that's, it's a, it's a pretty horrible feeling to have in general. But, uh, you know, us sports fans are, are used to, especially Detroit fans, we're used to having this. You know, we know there's an issue, we know they're going to have to do something, and dear God, I hope they don't screw it up too badly. Um, Mike, what do you think? Like, like, what, what do you think is a realistic move that we could make? Let's say, um, and you know, assuming that we're not able to do the LTIR shuffle and we had to make a move, you know, what do you think would be a realistic move that we could make to help this situation out? Honestly, I, I hate to bring his name up because you and I bandied him about when we were doing all the expansion stuff, but um, I think trading Riley Shane out might make the most sense just from a dollar's uh, uh, point of view. I know the organization is short on uh, true centers and talented true centers, but um, Riley Shane might be movable to the right buyer who recognizes that we don't want to short sell off of his you know, extremely snake-bitten season. Um, but that said, I mean, it's, it, it certainly wouldn't be the best situation for us to go moving a player like that. Um, the other name that comes to mind is Darren Helm, but that, that's one that you're probably going to get less of a return than you would on Shane, I would imagine. Um, and, and again, that's dipping into our center depth. So from from a standpoint of just moving something that's going to be close to Athanasiu's reported ask, sign, deal, amount, whatever you want to call it, um, I'm not sure that we've got 
a single piece that's just, you know, the magical panacea for, for this. It, it might have to be um, a couple of smaller pieces that end up getting moved, like um, Glenn Denning and uh, a defenseman, uh, or it might have to be something a little bit um, higher on the, on the salary side, like um, uh, moving out Razzik or Howard, uh, or, you know, heaven forbid, some kind of a, a blockbuster happens. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at this today and trying to, you know, trying to trying to figure out some realistic things. And I mean, the idea of trading Shagan does make sense on one level, but on the other level, I think, it, I think we'd be, I think it'd be hard for us to make a deal in which we're not selling low. You know, I think like this yeah. is, you know, the, he is at his absolute yeah. lowest right now in terms of value, um, assuming he has even close to a bounce back year this year, which I, I think he will. I mean, he's not gonna. He's not going to go through another season scoring two goals yeah. again. I um, mean, statistically, he almost has to bounce back. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, like I was saying before, like he did bring value to the team. His even strength defense was was pretty pretty good and, and helped out the team. Um, you know, so obviously his even strength offense was was not good at all, or power play offense. But you know, he he does help the team in other ways. Um, and I, I I'd be worried about selling low. Um, Lauren, what do you think? Do you think do you see a, a way out of this situation that seems to be almost uh, impossible to get out of? Um, not I'm I'm certainly not the person to ask um, about trades because that's never really been my strong suit in like evaluating um, uh, that like that side of players. Um, I've I pretty much like since I've been following the team like really closely, which is since the um the lockout shortened year. Mm-hmm. Um that next year was basically the first of, you know, consecutive years where we've done this L T I R shuffle. Um, so this is like for me, this is pretty much nothing new because I'm just like, Oh yeah, like of course we're just gonna have to keep doing this ridiculous game of like, Oh, someone else is injured, like, you know, that solves you know such and such problem um and i was i was gonna go look up um how much ryan sproll makes because if i am not mistaken he is also recovering from surgery this summer um yes you, you are correct on that one yeah so, yeah 625 like jj said 625 oh, yeah, okay. so that's i mean it's you know if you're looking at the other players that we have injured to start the season, like adding his on, it's, it's not even a million dollars, but it's also like that could be a difference maker. And like, I don't want to say like, Oh, we're just going to have to rely on the, the injured reserve kind of loophole again, because that's super frustrating because as soon as someone gets healthy, then it's like time to panic again. So it's like, just like full, you know, full season, just like, ah, what are we going to do? Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I hate to have to kind of rely on that. Um, but, it, I mean, with the decisions that have been made this off season between the expansion draft and signings and the lack of trades thus far, um, it, it seems like the we like our team, we're going to stand pat for now, is going to be the strategy going forward yet again. Um, you know, because this is still the time of year where every team is worried about getting 
their contracts together and getting um, their players healthy into camps and blah, blah, blah. You know, so they're, they're, it, this is really not the time of year to like see big trades and stuff like that. So I just, I just have a feeling that it's going to end up being just LTIR squeezing every last drop out of, you know, that, that little loophole that we can get. Um, And then I think, you know, later on in the season, if, hands get forced then hands get forced but as of right now I don't think we're to the point where we see a trade yet yeah I think part of their plan sorry, is I, I do think that part of their plan is to try to use the LTIR shuffle until we get far enough into the season that injuries start um, start making it more palatable to, the, to sell off guys whether that's uh, an extra goalie, or whether that is a guy like Riley Shane, because uh, that makes a lot of se- it makes a lot of sense to, to sell off Shane right now, because um, you know their center depth right now is because he's at best going to be a three C. Right now they've got Zetterberg, Nielsen, and Larkin as their top three Cs because they've said that Larkin is going to play center this season. Um, mm-hmm. I don't mind Riley Shane playing four C. It kind of leaves. I, I think I. would rather have Darren Helm play that. Uh, I like Riley Shane on the penalty kill. Uh, I don't mind Riley Shane on the wing, but in terms of if he's not going to be playing center, then if you want a big guy on the wing, then why don't you just pull up Svechnikov and give him that, that spot? Or if you want more of a grinder type on the wing who's also going to kill penalties, that's Tyler Bertuzzi right there. So uh, you'd save $1.1 million at the very least if you switch out Shane for Svechnikov. Um, you'd save about $1.3 million if, uh, if it were Bertuzzi up instead of Shane. So it, it makes a lot of sense to move him. They've got extra space. He's not necessarily going to be a core piece going forward. But, yeah, like uh, like Peter and Mike have, have said, the, the concern – is you are selling low. If you're going to do that before the season, then the the time to sell Riley Shan was around the draft. Uh, shit like that doesn't really go down in August. It doesn't really happen in September, unless something stupid happens, like Callie Yarncroke goes down in in training camp, uh, and and suddenly you're you're looking to be able to get some value out of him. But other than that, yeah, you're probably waiting until uh, early or mid November to actually have the time be right to move the guy and by then i mean you don't know by although in fact in fairness i'm fully expecting that by mid-november that we're not going to have to worry about doing so much of a shuffle anymore because i'm i'm perhaps foolishly so assuming that mid-november is going to be roughly the end of cronwall season yeah I, I thought he. I, I didn't think he would make it through last year. I thought. I thought last year was going to be basically what you said this year. Um, and honestly, looking at some of his stats, like that might have been, might have been good for the team. Uh, as much as I love Cronwall for his, you know, his career, his service, but um, you know, watching him on the on the power play last year was was pretty tough to do. Uh, I'm gonna. Um, I'm going to move on to another cap issue. Um, Lauren, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the name of Thomas Vanek uh, before. Thomas Vanek remains unsigned. He's been uh, attached to rumors, right? Uh, there's been some some whisperings that apparently he he is, you know, looking at Detroit 
if they're able to make things work out. Um, so, so Lauren, I'm going to come to you first. Is, what do you think about that? Do you think they're, that the, the Red Wings should be interested if they could make it work? What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, first of all, I don't see how they could make it work. Um, considering we got him on a bargain deal last year, um, you know, there's no way that he's going to take, you know, less, let alone the same amount, um, you know, for, for a contract this year. And I'm sure he's looking for um, some, you know, some length to his contract, to any contract that he signs. Um, so I, I do remember seeing those, those little titterings of rumors and things like that. Um and while I I really enjoyed watching Vanek last year, especially with guys like Athanasiu, um, I I cannot see how we can possibly make it work. Um, I it just the the money is not there, and um, you know it's at this point I would rather turn over um, you know roles like that to younger guys. I mean, even if it's bringing in someone like Martin Burke to, to, you know, come and play that role um, that Vanek filled last year, you know, or bringing up someone else like Svechnikov or Bertuzzi to, you know, get them in the roles that they need to be in, um, you know, not even necessarily um, replacing Vanek's role specifically that we had last year. Um, yeah, I just – I – while I, like I said, like while I enjoyed watching him last year, the money's not there, and yeah, at this point, I'm I'm ready to really get the youth movement going and see what our prospects can do because we are going to be, you know, really needing to see what they can bring to the table. Um, in in it's a lot of them are hitting that that point where this is their season to to you know maybe kickstart their their NHL careers. Yeah. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on my thoughts in, in a little bit so I don't take other people's ideas, but um I'm basically with you on as a no, but uh Mike, what do you think? Do you uh do you have a different opinion? Um not really. I like Lauren, I, I enjoyed Vanek on the ice uh this past season. Um but at the same time, I was glad we were able to move him at the trade deadline because he was a valuable asset on an expiring contract uh, on a team that wasn't going anywhere. And I think we're going to run into that same situation for the next two or three years. Um, and I don't see Vanek requesting an exp- uh, another one-year deal on an expiring contract. Um, from what I remember earlier in the summer, he was seeking multi-year deals. Uh, and and unless it's maybe a two-year deal uh, on a reasonable cap hit that we can flip at the deadline again, there's no way that the Wings would even be able to make it happen. If he was willing to take something like that, we still have to make trades, waiver claims, LTIR, magic, you know, uh, um, a, a little bit of the uh, uh, old scarf beat right, just place somebody on an IR, doesn't matter if they're injured type stuff, uh, just to even make that work. So would I want him back in, in uh, an ideal scenario? Yeah, absolutely. 
is there any chance it's going to happen? I would say not a snowball chance in hell. Yeah. Uh, JJ, any, any additional thoughts? What do you think? I'd give it better than a snowball's chance at hell that Vanek would be willing to come back on a one-year deal um, at age, what, 33 now? Yeah, he's 33. Um, he'll be 34 before the end of the season. Uh, it's not going to be ideal for him. He, uh, he, he obviously would want the retirement contract, but there's also something to be said about the fact that he hasn't gotten it yet. And uh, we're at the cusp of August, so turning it into a a gun for hire every year is a huge risk for him. But I don't, I'm not sure that he's in a position to be asking for for multiple years at this point. And he's he's better than Marty Furk. I I kind of like the idea of using Marty Furk as the poor poor man's Thomas Vanek. Uh, just to be able to save the money, and uh, Mike and Lauren were right on it, it's about the inability to to make it fit under the Red Wings' current cap situation. I think their cap situation is slightly malleable if they can find a way to save, say, three million dollars at a position that they don't need to be spending more than nine million dollars on uh, right now. But it, it, there's a lot of buts. There's a lot of buts and a lot of ifs and. Um, a lot of what have you. I'm I'm with you. Yeah, give some buts and what have you about. You don't like a lot of buts. It, it can work. <laughs> it, I, I cannot lie. <laughs> it it can work. I I don't see it right now because right now it re, it absolutely it, you can't do this via LTIR magic. You've got to make trades and trades are hard, um, especially right now. So. Wishing one hand shit in the other, I guess, but yeah, there's always hope. Hope's not a strategy, but fuck it. Screw you, Jeff, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm. <laughs> I think I'm even. Uh, I'm even more down down on this idea than than I think you guys are. Um, in that, even if we could fit it, I still. I, I don't. I don't think it would be a good idea. Um, I mean, you know, you kind of mentioned it before. Like, we're you know, there nobody else has signed them. Um, you know, obviously he could be holding out, you know, really, really wanting to come to our team for some, you know, for some, some reason, you know, he liked it here last year, et cetera. But, you know, at the same time, like nobody's, you know, nobody's signed him yet. Um, you know, he had a, a show me contract last year and then we, you know, the most we could get from him at the deadline was a third round pick, you know? And so I don't know if he really, you know, you know, if, if you remember after the trade deadline, you know, there was, you know, some analysis where they looked at, you know, just how heavily sheltered he was and that even though, you know, I mean, I loved watching him play. I mean, he was so creative. I loved watching the passes he made. Um, but, you know, he, he did hurt the team defensively. You know, he was able to give us some offense, but, you know, he, he hurt the team almost just as much defensively. Um, and I think, I think we have better options. And I'd like to see, you know, some of the young guys come in and get a chance. I'd like to, uh, you know, before, before bringing him back. But um, before we move on to other topics, we have one more Red Wings topic. Um, the Red Wings signed a goalie, I think yesterday, Pat Nagel, to a one-year contract. Uh, it's looking like it's just a, just a minor league, you know, ECHL uh, contract that'll give us a, an additional goalie down there. I don't really know too much about him. You know, the press release has, you know, some stats. He played a couple games with the Griffins in 14-15. 
Um, you know, only two games, so obviously it's really hard to tell from that. But um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll kind of throw this up. Does, does anybody have thoughts on the team's goalie situation? We kind of talked about Mrazek and, and Howard a lot, but, um, you know, some of the goalies we've, we've signed, some of our, you know, goalie depth, I guess. Anybody have any, well, any s- thoughts on that? Yeah, they they signed this um, this uh, Pat Nagel guy. Not for my World of Warcraft fans, not to be confused with Nat Pagel. I know he's with the Walleye, but he's not a fishing expert. Um, but they signed him, and he's like what twenty five, twenty six. I, th- I thought I, I saw somewhere that he was playing college hockey from uh, uh, two thousand eleven to two thousand fourteen. So it's not Pat like... Nagel is twenty nine. Okay, he's twenty nine. Wow. And we just let um, Peterson, Patterson, however you pronounce it, walk, right? Who was yep. and brought back McCollum, not, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and uh, paid out a conditional seventh for McCollum, which we're we're never going to actually have to pay out. But still, the idea exists that we are, in theory, willing to give up some assets to to bring back um, Tommy McCollum. I just don't know what the hell this organization thinks they're doing with goaltending unless by some chance they already think they have the goaltender of the future somewhere but let's face it Jimmy Howard's old and not getting any younger Razik is inconsistent shows promise I believe in the guy um, but he needs to develop some sense of consistency and beyond that we've got nobody who's looked stellar in NHL play. We need to get the next Matt Murray, um, the next Martin Jones, somebody who who is solid and can prove it and can hold their own in the NHL and do it consistently. We need to have that person in the organization and I don't know where this person is and obviously management thinks he's somewhere. I, I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> uh, Lauren or JJ, any any thoughts on this? I mean, I well, think they. The... Go ahead, Lauren. <laughs> I was going to say, here's my thought on the goalie situation. <laughs> Just a whole big pile I, I... of wet farts. I hate it. It's frustrating, and it never ends. That's a good answer. Succinct and accurate. Yeah. <sighs> the. Backup quarterback and the backup goaltender are the two most popular athletes in Detroit. Um, I think that the whole, like, next Matt Murray thing is, I don't know, they probably just dra- just now drafted him, so it's, uh, it's a stopgap maneuver. But it, the, the great thing about the ECHL thing is that the, the ECHL kiss of death doesn't really apply to goalies. Um, Pat Nagel at 29 isn't going to be an NHL goalie. Um the letting Patterson go and bringing back McCollum is just confusing. Uh, but in terms of the organizational depth at goalie, they've got the space essentially for uh, two guys that are at least in the organization. Because Nagel signed a, a Griffin's contract. He doesn't have a, a contract with the, with the Red Wings. So there's basically uh, no chance outside of uh, some immense – bad luck with injuries that that he's going to end up ever playing for the Red Wings. Um, But with uh, Mrazek and Howard at the top level and then Corot and McCollum in the AHL, that gives them uh, 
Macho Man and uh, and Nagel to play the the ECHL level, and if something up there bumps up because we uh, we in until we're sure that Morazic isn't getting traded because I mean the, the guy got put on the the block for the expansion draft. I'm going to keep working on the assumption that they're still trying to move him. And if they do, then uh, Corot comes up and he's the backup. And uh, McCollum is, is basically the starter in Grand Rapids, which is fine. That McCollum's more than capable of doing that. Um, and then we've either got, we've got it down between uh, Nagel and, and Machowski as, as far as who's going to be the, the other Grand Rapids goalie. So, it's it's a depth move that I'm not really that worried about. Like I am worried about the future of goaltending with the Red Wings, but I also think that the the Petrozelli pick this year is has really allayed a lot of my immediate medium to long term fears about like who basically the next Red Wings starter when I figure the Red Wings are going to be back to uh, really 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 needing a guy who can who can carry a team like that. So I'm. I'm not unhappy with the goaltending situation any more than I'm unhappy with literally everything else in the organization right now. They've got to do some handle on things. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing collegiate hockey next year, right? Or th- or this He's year, playing uh, Quinnipiac, which is not Quinnipiac, that far yeah. from me. Quinnipiac. I only know because I grew up pretty close to it. Yeah, oh, Quinnipiac. Okay. It's in Quinnipiac. Connecticut. Everybody Quinnipiac. else I know calls it Quinnipiac, yeah. Well, everyone you know is wrong. Uh, probably. <laughs> Consider, considering just, everybody I know is not there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I grew up I'm just most disappointed that Pat Nagel is an American. Because um, if he were from Finland, then he'd be a Finagle, and that's just fun. <laughs> oh, boy. There's your pun. That's okay. your pun for the night. Yeah. Finagle a goaltending situation. Yeah. All right, that's our oh, show. Man. I'm <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. When uh, when pizza's on Pat Nagel, he can have pizza anytime. So. <laughs> All right. That was awful. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um. Before we move on, we got a couple round. Of, we have a couple round the league topics we can touch on. Um. Is there any other Red Wing stuff that I forgot? Any other Red Wings topics? Going on, I think I think we touched on everything that's uh, happened. Yeah, I, I think we're we're Red Wings out for for right now until we get to the questions. Unless All right, cool. I think we got about ticket prices this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got probably probably maybe maybe two two maybe three uh, round the league topics. We'll see if we can get to them. Um, First, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the the Olympics. We have a little bit of news there. Uh, Connor McDavid spoke out the other day. He said he was very upset that the NHL is not going to send players to the 2018 Olympics. Um, After reading an article from Edmonton columnist David Staples, McDavid clarified, saying that he was only 85% of very upset with the situation. So McDavid's pissed. Crosby was pissed. We're starting to get some stars saying, this is stupid. We really want to go. What do you think, Mike? Do you think do you think the NHL goes to the Olympics in 2018? Um, I, I think they're stubborn enough and have their heads far enough up their up their asses that they don't. Um, I'd, I'd like to say they'll eventually come around, but I think 
uh, I think they're going to milk it with the players' union for everything that it's worth, just to to try and drag it out. And I don't think um, if the players' union looks back, I, I think the kind of demands that are going to get made of them, it's not going to be smart for them to give the stuff up. Um, so yeah, I, I I think they end up not going, and I I think we may or may not see a couple. Um, more players, uh, in addition to one that we might touch on here in a sec, bolt for other leagues so that they can go to the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, JJ, what do you think? Yay or nay, NHL goes to the Olympics in 2018? Uh, I think nay. I think that they, uh, they floated out the alternate schedule thing as just a, a hope thing. And they were hoping that the the a the Olympics or the IOC would would cave, and I don't think that's going to happen. So, and hope is not a strategy. Oh well. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren, what do you think? Yes or no? I think at this point, it's I think it's probably a done deal that they're not going to go, which almost makes me kind of angry. Like with the players, it's like yeah, I want I know they want to represent their countries and stuff like that. But if they're coming out now and saying that they're so pissed about not being able to go, it's like, well, maybe you should have started saying to the media how pissed you were before about the league trying to prevent you from going before they, like, made it official. Because if you're going to try and get any leverage, it's got to be, you know, during the process of deciding whether or not you're going to go. Because it's like, it it really doesn't make sense to try and – you know, complain about a decision that's already been made when it's a decision that you could have had influence on. You know, like that just, I don't know, it just mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense to me that they, that now they're like, oh, I'm so mad that I'm not going to the Olympics. Like, are they expecting that, you know, the NHL is going to be like, oh, well, we've pissed off our stars. We better, you know, do what they want and let them go to the Olympics because. I'm pretty sure the league has shown before that they don't really give a shit what the players think sometimes. So, you know, it, yeah, it just doesn't make sense that now they're complaining about not being able to go when they certainly could have made that, you know, more well-known and more public on a better yeah, platform I think, before. No, I think you make a very good point that the, 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 the time for the players to speak up has, I don't want to say it's past because it's it's still not 100%. I mean, no, yeah, that, that, that's the thing. And my bold prediction is I'm going to predict that they are going to go to the Olympics. And here's my reasoning. It's pretty simple that the NHL never does what they say they're going to do. They always come out and say, oh, we're going to do this. And then they always go back on it. And so just for that one reason, I'm going to predict that they do. Um, but your, your point is very valid. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's likely that they won't based on everything that's come before, but we've, we've seen this before and the NHL just reverses its decision. So just for that reason, I'm going to make that bold prediction. I'm probably going to be horribly wrong, but that's, that's fun, right? Um, another thing that happened is we, we had a uh, we found out about a study um, in the uh, Journal of the American Medical Association. Uh, it was a study in deceased NFL uh, players' brains. They were donated to scientific research, and uh, CTE was found in 99% of their brains. The numbers were 110 out of 111. 
um, which is, I mean, you know, I'm not a medical expert, but uh, I think that's definitely a pattern. Um, and this is obviously a, a, an interesting topic um, or horrifying topic, at least the way I look at it, um, because, you know, concussions have been a big deal uh, a big topic of conversation in the NHL. We had a lot of issues last year with the concussion spotters. Either um, there was some, you know, sometimes they would pull a player out like they pulled Connor McDavid out when I, I, I think it, it seemed like they should have. I think it was the right call. And people were upset that they pulled him out of the game because it was close and we can't take him out of the game. Um, and then in the playoffs, there was a, um, there was one play where Crosby would, had made a, a, a miraculous recovery from a concussion meaning that he was probably still playing with a concussion, and he went into the boards headfirst, uh, or maybe not headfirst, but he, he, he made contact pretty hard with his head into the boards, and they did not take him out of the game. Um, so there's a lot of controversy last year. Um, so, Lauren, what do, you, what do you think about, you know, hearing about this study uh, from, the NFL, uh, from the NFL? You know, do you think that this might finally have some, you know, make the NHL have to acknowledge this? Um, well, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to actually read the study. Um, but all I can say is, like, you don't even have to be a medical expert to see that there is something, you know, going on here. Because, you know, like, you can just have a rudimentary understanding of how math works and be like, hey, if 110 out of 111 people, you know, played this sport and now they, you know, they ended up with these, these injuries, um, you know, this, this degeneration of their brain tissue, you know, something's clearly going on. Um, and of course there's the, the, um, the fact that all of these players brains that they were studying, they are deceased players. And so there's obviously plenty of, um, you know, retired players and, 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 you know, people that have played the sport who are still alive. But um, even if I, I think just before the show, we were talking about this, um, you know, JJ was saying there was some 1200 more um, players that they, I think were were looking at or talking to. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Um, but they, um, even if you take all of those numbers into account, 110 out of, some 1,300 or so is still far beyond the rate of normal incidence in, um, like, in a general population. Um, so you're still definitely looking at, like, hey, there is some connection here between this sport and, um, you know, these severe brain injuries. Um, and it's it's somewhat encouraging to see that because we're like, okay, this is finally getting out into public knowledge that this is dangerous. Like, you know, and there's, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that have personal experience with it. Like we have a family friend of ours whose um, son was playing high school and football. He has now quit. Um, but when he was, I believe a freshman or sophomore, he had a pretty bad concussion and he wasn't able to go to school for like two weeks. And that's, that was on one hit, um, you know, it, it wasn't his career dependent on it. You know, it's, he doesn't have this, this massive pressure from, um, you know, these huge, you know, millions and billions of dollar 
industries to come back and keep playing like professional athletes do. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's personal anecdotes out there where you can just see how devastating these concussions can be and to have it consistently denied of, you know, having any connection between um, very physical sports such as football and hockey um, and this kind of injury is maddening. It's just absolutely maddening. Um, and unfortunately, I, I can't see anything else, like because nothing else has convinced the NHL that something's going on, I don't see this doing it either because I can still see the lawyer in, in Gary Bettman saying, oh, well, you know, football isn't hockey and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's, there's so many differences in the two sports, you know, and I, I can just see him trying to like completely deflect and, you know, try and get into his hockey is a niche sport and we're so misunderstood and underrepresented and all that bullshit about, you know, us being the special snowflake of the major four sports teams. Like it's, it continues to be something I think that is going to be ignored by the NHL for as long as possible. Um, and it's, I just, I don't see this helping in any way, unfortunately, as much as I would love to have this knock some sense into the the people that run this league and, and hockey leagues all over the world. I just, I don't see it making a difference yet, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I am far from a fan of Gary Bettman, but the one thing I don't think he is is stupid. I think he has to know that this is, something he has to like there's no way he doesn't know there's no way he is just that ignorant and so the the most logical reason for him refusing to acknowledge it is like he said it's like the the you know he he believes that the legal ramifications of his acknowledging it would be worse than the legal ramifications of not acknowledging it um and unfortunately i i the cynic in me thinks that it's just that uh, that simple jj what do you think no, I think you're right on it. There's a kind of a double-edged sword here in terms of the the powers that be inside the NHL because uh, you've I think you've got Gary Bettman nailed down perfectly. Uh, it, he's he's a kid, you know, where the parent says if I you lied to me, you're going to get doubly punished for what you've done wrong. And he's gotten to the point where it's like it's a lie on top of a lie on top of a lie on top of a lie, where as long as he can keep saying either you're going to punish me or I'm never going to admit the truth because the amount of punishment that I've got coming due for all the lies at this point is just not worth it. And under him, he has got a bunch of, uh, especially like with with daily, uh, a bunch of meatheads who I, I guarantee that based on the stuff that has already come out of their emails is talking about how, Oh, these, you know, these players just need to toughen up and, you know, of course it's a dangerous sport. That's, that's why, you know, the only the big burly grown men play it. And, and that stupid, like, because that's what happens when you get an overwhelming uh, bit of, of evidence in, in terms of stuff like this, it's like, well, it, it people kind of lose the ability to, to process how 
horrible it can be on on an individual basis and so they're just like well yeah we've known this all along it can't be that big a deal or these players sign up for this kind of stuff or and it, it kind of glosses over the entire point of this that um you know it's it's still possible to make the game safer and it, it's still a responsibility of the nhl um not necessarily i mean it's, it's not even their, their responsibility to necessarily uh, minimize it, although they're they're going to have that, but not to not to fucking lie. About it. That's as as long, as long as you <laughs> can honestly say that the player the players are are know exactly what they're signing up for. But for years and years they haven't, and and going forward the NHL is not going to be able to get get away with that. But they've got that current lawsuit that's that's going up that that they're just gonna they're gonna keep lying and saying no, you can't prove it, you can't prove it, you can't prove it. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, if they were suing the NHL upon uh, the existence of gravity, that's what that's what he'd be saying. Oh, it's just a theory. Yeah. It's just a theory. Yeah. So it's it's stupid. It, it makes sense in in the cynical way, that, like you talked about. Um, but yeah, it's it's dumb. Yeah, maybe the apple just has too much downy juice on it. Maybe maybe that's it. Have you thought of that? Um, all right, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna go into <laughs> we're gonna go into a quick positivity corner. Um, but before we do that, Mike, do you have any any quick additional thoughts on on this uh, the CTE and lawsuit and all that stuff? Uh, CTE is horrible. Deniability is a horrible thing, and Gary Bettman is going to use it to the fullest of his advantage. Yeah. Man, man, we could have made so, that that segment even shorter. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, so um, yeah. Mike, I'll let you go first with. Uh, I'll give you a second to think. Um, I'll let you go first with our favorite save segment each and every week or each and every episode is positivity corner. Um, so, Mike, what is your positivity corner uh, thing for this episode? Oh, God. Ah. Oh. I'm positive that they're going to get something beneficial worked out with FNCU. I I have no reasoning behind that, but I'm positive it's going to happen. That's good. I, that would make me positive too. Uh, Lauren, yeah. what do you think? Well, not what do you think? What's your what's your positivity corner item for this episode? Oh goodness. Um, I would. say say positivity is that it's almost August. And while normally that strikes dread and fear into the hearts of hockey fans, um, it, as this has seems like the longest off season ever, which for Red Wings fans, um, it literally is the longest um, off season <laughs> in the last 26 years. Um, so uh, yeah, we're, we're already to, we're we're already getting to the the worst point of it, and then once August is over, then um, then we're we're really kind of in the home stretch, and we'll be um, we'll be getting into uh, uh, camps, and um, before you know it, it'll be preseason. Woohoo! We'll be looking forward to opening night. Woohoo! All right, Jay, uh, JJ, what you what do you got? Uh, I'm gonna circle back around because I I wasn't sure that. First, when I talked about uh, Tatar and how happy I am that he is returning, uh, that I properly conveyed just how insanely thrilled I am. Um, he's a fun player. He's just he's super fun, and that's that's all I want out of out of the Red Wings this year 
is the guy who's going to score goals and he's going to cheer and he's going to do that. Are you not entertained? Um, and I'm not going to have to spend this entire year worrying about whether or not uh, he's going to have to be gone or, or the, the future of that. I'm just going to be able to, to see him, you know, skate around on one leg doing the yeah thing uh, <laughs> all season mm-hmm. long. Um, the the happy memory of, uh, you know, the night that he scored that game winner against the Kings and, and pointed up uh, for his recently passed father. I just, I really like Thomas Sitar, and I, I want you all to, to appreciate that with me. Awesome. I will gladly uh, do that. <laughs> Thank you. All right, for me... For me, uh, I'm going to be selfish here a little bit. Uh, about six or seven months ago when my wife and I made our trip to Detroit uh, in one of the, the local casinos there, I forget what it was, um, I was talking to JJ and I told him that I had this idea for a second podcast that would be about the NHL in general. And he basically said, cool, you know, let me know, let me know what I can do to help and all that stuff. And so it's taken a long time and a lot of work and a lot of help, but um, it's finally a thing that actually exists in the world, and I kind of can't believe it. So I'm really happy about that, um, and I'm really thankful to JJ, JJ mainly because I don't know about you guys, but I have this thing where I'll be like, hey, I'm going to do this, and then I tell a bunch of people I'm going to do it, and I just never do it. <laughs> and so with this, I basically I told JJ, and that was pretty much about it uh, until shortly before I was ready to go. So... For sure, a 200-foot podcast, it exists. I can't believe it, and I'm really happy about that. Um, and we have we got mailbag next, yeah. Last but not least, let's That's go to our mailbag right, expert, let's, JJ. Let's, let's jump right into it. Uh, A41 starts off with, uh, why, don't we, uh, why don't we go after Yager? Mentions that... Uh, the work he's done with uh, with many young hockey players mentions uh, Barkov and Giroux as players who took the next step under Yager's tutelage. Uh, perhaps he could help out guys like uh, Larkin, AA, or especially Mantha, another kind of a, a player on the who's who's smooth and big. Um, you know why? Let why don't we why don't we consider that? What do you think? We are considering. Yeah. Uh, I keep coming back to I keep coming back to like the Vanek idea of nobody signed him yet, you know, and there's a reason for it. Um, they're not just like, hey, let's not sign this guy, you know, let's just all blackball him. Um, you know, I mean, age age is going to hit him really hard one of these years, and I think I think the NHL is making bets that uh, that that this is the year. Uh, I'd, I'd be wary because I don't want him, you know, I mean, he's on Florida. He was playing on the top line. Um, I don't want him coming in and taking time away from Mantha, Athanasiu, Tatar, Nyquist. You know, I want those guys playing on the top line. So I'd, I'd stay away um, as much as I would love to. I, I don't know. I, I love Yager. I'm, I'm, I'm a Yager fan. I, I've been quietly thinking that thought to myself for, past two years, pretty much ever since Larkin um, came out of the squad, I was like, man, wouldn't it be great to have Yager come on and mentor this guy? But, yeah, Peter, like you said, like, who's he going to take time away from? And, and then it's the whole idea of, you know, can we even make a contract fit? Who do we have to move out? What kind of value are we losing when we move somebody out? Or 
essentially a one-year rental who's just here for tutelage. Um, I mean, if there was ever a time to do it, you know, in the middle of us sucking is probably it. But I, I don't think it's realistic. I can just see it being Sorry, a thing Lord. where we I we can just like I can see it being a thing where we sign him for one year and then he retires and then we still just retain the reputation of Detroit being the the one year you know end of career yeah. contract special so and also yeah. possibly get blamed for him finally ending his career. But then <laughs> you call him Detroit Red Wings legend Yaramir Yager. Yeah, just like Alfred. Yeah, we could do that just to wipe off the stink of Steve Ott having been the last guy to do that. <laughs> okay, I changed my mind. Uh, I don't know. I am all for it, 100% now. A41 <laughs> uh, continues on with a long rant that I'm not going to get into, uh, but eventually it basically says uh, what's so attractive about Abdulkader. Like, he just doesn't see it through the, the stupid penalties and the, uh, the not enough scoring and you know not being as good as Datsuk but what is let's let's have some positivity for Justin Ablicator and kind of forget the the contract that that hangs over the head he's still a, a useful hockey player right oh sure i mean he's 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 a he's a good middle six guy you know probably third third line I, I think again, it's it's a contract. If it wasn't for the contract, people wouldn't feel the way they they do about him. Yeah, absolutely. He's a good old it, Michigan it's... boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, doubly so because not only did he grow up here, but he went to college here, and then he he played for the Griffins. I, I mean, he's spent his entire hockey career in this state. Um. It's it it's a marketing move on the Wings' part to to love him as much as they do. Uh, and I don't know where the hell they were going with that contract because it was bad the moment the ink was on the paper. Sorry, Justin. I, I, I love you for being a Spartan, but, man, good on you for getting that wool pulled over people's eyes. Uh, um, but I mean, yeah, if it wasn't for the contract, people in this city would be all about Justin Abdelkader, blue-collar hockey player, going to work every day for the blue-collar town. But he's got the contract. Yeah, and I think just last season really did screw things up a big time with with how he's he's looking, especially since you know that was right after he signed that contract. Um, but it was it was injury shortened, and he obviously just he couldn't get get going. Um, he's better than his numbers last year. I mean, it's, I've, I said a long time ago and I've continued that he was basically a, a passenger for Datsuk. Um, still, even then it's not the easiest thing to put up 20 goals. Even if you've got basically the world's best playmaker setting them up for you or even banking them in off of you. Um, he's, a, a Honestly, a good character guy, and that is something to be said. The intangibles there, um, his contributions on the ice are are worthy of ice time. Um, it, I can't get past the contract. I'm not apologizing for the contract. I'm not making excuses for the contract. It's it's bad. Um, 
we've got basically to, to hope that he can continue. I mean, if he gets back to the 20-goal scorer kind of player, uh, the guy that he was with Datsuk, if somebody else can can make that happen, um, you know, that's, that's, that's worthwhile. Uh, the dumb penalties thing is always going to haunt him, but there is the, the potential there. Uh, as a fan, there are some times where I really want a Red Wings player to take a dumb penalty, and I know that it's it's cutting off my nose to spite my face. Um, but applicators got nose to spare. So <laughs> when we need somebody to to go take a dumb a dumb penalty, I'm I'm glad that we've got a guy like he's the, he's our go-to there. So that's what's good about him. Sorry about the nose joke, Justin. If you're listening, of course you are. Uh, he, he never missed an episode. Of course not. And congrats on your wedding, by the way. Um, yeah. Operator Z wants to know, what's your favorite summer cocktail? Uh, Anybody? I, I, I'm, I'm going to go out on this one. I am not a summer cocktail person. Okay, what about uh, greatest of all time? That's, that's the second part of that question. What's your favorite cocktail? Maybe, oh, geez, I don't know. Long Island iced tea from the uh, at the the Naval Station Bar in San Diego. That specific one. All right. I don't know if that's a summer one. Got a, I don't have a favorite summer cocktail either. Yeah, I'm not really a cocktail well, drinker. I do like ski. Scotch and water. Yeah. There's lots of good uh, summer cocktails. It's like picking one is kind of moot. I mean, anything with rum and coconut and like kind of island flavors is going to be good in my book for, for summer. But I mean, as far as cocktails go, I'm much more of an either uh, beer or scotch person. So give me some single barrel with like one ice cube in it or uh, or a good craft beer. Screw your cocktail. That's basically Nothing a cocktail. cocktail. Yeah. You, you, add the, yeah. you add the ice yeah. cube and you're changing the flavor of the scotch, so it counts. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, you you just said the scotch and water, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will go with... That, yeah. um, I... Let's see. I... Just tried um, Moscow Mules this summer. Um, can it, I can say that those are pretty tasty. Um, but what I really like is um, we call it a creamsicle, and it is um, whipped cream-flavored vodka with orange pop, and it tastes just like a creamsicle. And that is that's about as summery as I uh, hmm. as I can as I can think of right there. So. God, I long for the days nice. I can drink that and not be like shit for like three days after. <laughs> yeah, that just sounds like a headache like waiting the, to happen. <laughs> the sugary cocktails anymore. I just I can't do that. Mm-hmm. But I do miss those days. All James wants us to move on to ask, have you ever beaten Contra without using the code? Uh, probably not. I have, but only if we're considering the Konami code, because I've beaten Contra without the Konami code using a Game Genie. 
Ah. Yeah, I've done, that's what I've done, JJ. Wow. So you're, you're technically right, which is the best kind of right. Yeah, but thinking more on it, it's kind of silly to use a game genie in Contra because you've already got the code. Like, you're cheating on top of cheating. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's just something about to say about, like, always having a spread gun throughout the entire game. It's just so worth it. Yeah. It's, um, it's like saying, I wasn't looking at this person's paper. I, I just had all the answers written down on my hand. <laughs> yeah. Cheating nah. by any other name. It's just not the specific type you're being accused of. There's just a lot more. There's a lot of extra work. It's like you got to like plug in the, the Genie and make sure that the Nintendo works, and then you got to look up the well, you codes. you buy and... the Game Genie, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I don't want I the free got... code. Just let me, let me pay another 30 bucks. Yeah, gaming was so much better back then. Yeah. Going back to Applicator real quick, Arsizzle wants to know, uh, just curious, if you could trade Applicator right now for a seventh-round pick, would you do that? No. No. No? The answer is no. It's it's not worth it. What are we going to do yeah. with that cap space? Yeah. Sign Yager? Yeah. Plus, he's worth so yeah, much more than well, a seventh-round pick. Yeah. Yeah, might as well hold it for a fifth rounder. Let's see. Westside Hero asked about a trade, which we talked about. Uh, Sneaky Pete asked if uh, you're excited about NHL 3s. I know that uh, that Peter answered that in there and has already talked about that on the For Sure podcast, but you want to go ahead and say that answer again? Yeah, it's... um. It's it's fun. It's it's basically basically what EA did is they said, remember NBA Jam? Remember how fun that was and how much fun everybody had playing that? So let's basically do that and make like an arcadey style three on three game, um, which is super fun. Uh, the the gameplay's fun. Um, like that part of it is really great. However, the announcer is the worst announcer in the history of sport games. Uh, absolutely terrible. I, I have just turned commentary volume down to zero while playing the beta. Um, just absolutely terrible. So maybe they'll fix it for that. But if you if you want to try to play it, it's a lot of fun. Get a friend, play it, have fun. But turn the announcer off. You will thank me. All right, excellent. And we are going to finish this up with Evet S19. Um, says a local sports duo from Wichita, uh, Kansas, does a segment top ten most iconic players in sports cities. They did Detroit the other day, and their top three were Sanders, Cobb, and Howe. Um, the only other Red Wings to make the list to make either uh, list was Iserman at uh, number four and six on the list. The list were both majority Tigers. How many wings do you think belong? in the top 10 of most iconic. And the key is iconic uh, over pure skill. I hate to say it, but I think that kind of leaves Lidstrom off because he went so unrecognized throughout his career. He was always that quiet leader. So I, in that regard, I can see why he didn't make it on that list, which is really too bad because, of course, everybody loves Lidstrom and, you know, he deserves so much recognition for his career. But if it's if it's purely going 
you know, for the kind of recognizability factor over skill and accomplishments, then, yeah, I, I guess I can see why he was left off. Yeah, that's the sad consideration is that it is possible in terms of if we're talking about iconic Detroit Red Wings players um, who should have reached as far out as uh, Wichita, Kansas, uh, we may actually have to say that Darren McCarty is more more iconic than Nick Lidstrom. And I don't think that he belongs on that list either. But in terms of, like, the guys that you think of when you think of of that, (laughs) I mean – uh, Lidstrom is is I, I think that there's a real good argument that nobody in the entire um, you know 25 year run is more important to that run than Nick Lidstrom was uh, in terms of of who got the Red Wings there and who kept them there. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's the problem with with that concept and how long it took him to finally get that 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 fame is that he got overlooked for, for too long. So um, I, I think their list might be right on. Like I, I don't know as much about other Detroit sports. So if I had to add a third Red Wing other than Iserman and Howe, who are, who are absolute no brainers, um, I might consider Ted Lindsay over, over anybody else. I, th- I think I'd have to agree with that one. JJ, just because I think when you talk about somebody who's iconic and not just for their skill, but for their embodiment within a city, you're also talking about personality um, outside of the sport. And Eiserman being, you know, the second coming of hockey in Detroit had all kinds of personalities just kind of thrust upon him before he even came into his own as, you know, the captain and really embracing that. Um, and Gordie Howe, obviously Mr. Hockey, you don't get much bigger on or off the ice than him. But terrible Ted going through some of the off-the-ice stuff that he and the the rest of the production line went through, um, the whole uh, Toronto shooter incident, um, it might have to be somebody like Ted Lindsay or like you said, Darren McCarty, but I think I'd put I think I'd put um, Terrible Ted up there ahead of uh, D-Mac. Uh, I was trying to think of this as, you know, I grew up in Connecticut. Um, and so I'm just trying to think of me, like who I would associate with the Red Wings growing up as a hockey fan. I mean, the, I want to say, actually, before Lauren started talking, like Listrom is the name that came to mind, but I, I do agree um, with, with Lauren's argument about that, or uh, like Lauren's point about that. Um, the only other, like the other modern person that I might put in that, and it's just maybe the time I grew up is, it was Fedorov. Like everybody where I grew up who was hockey fans knew Fedorov, you know, like they associated him with Detroit. Um, I'm not saying, you know, like, you know, like you said before, it's, it's, it's not necessarily, the best player or whatever, the all-time great, but, you know, just from a turn, just from a, just from the standpoint of, you know, who do you think of when you think of Detroit, you know, for the time period I was growing up as a hockey fan, he's, he's the other name that I would consider. I'm not saying he should even make the list, but I mean, that would be, that would be somebody I would throw out there. 
Yeah, I think he might be one of the only other candidates for for that consideration. He's got to be, I think. I hope uh, I hope Joe Lewis is on that list. I mean, <laughs> that's, yeah. I don't know if I'd put him in the top three, but uh, as far as top ten, I mean, they yeah. need Dan Marina after him. Yeah. His the fifth is hanging in the middle of the city, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that is all of our questions, so I will kick it back to you to get us out of here. All right. Um, before we go, any last minute hockey related thoughts or just any yeah, thoughts what, yeah what the hell is going on in Edmonton with uh, Leandre Seidel did something happen that I don't know about they still don't have him signed oh I thought oh really I thought they signed him like really? forever and a day ago no I must have missed something or a uh, lot of things. <laughs> yeah, he, or apparently nothing. If if you know. I, or apparently nothing. Yeah. 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 If he has Also, what the hell signed, is going on but... with Edmonton and turning against Connor McDavid already with his new contract? <laughs> oh God, are they really? What yeah, I don't the hell? Yeah, I think the keyword there is Edmonton. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, that's the that's the common <laughs> denominator. It's got to be that. We probably could have just left it at what the hell is going on with Edmonton. And ended it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's our yeah. that's our parting thought. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go. No, I was just I was just looking at their cap friendly page for like the first time this summer, and I was kind of surprised because a lot of the talk had been about how uh, how they're going to be able to fit this, or you know, if McDavid gets this deal, you got a you got an offer sheet uh, dry sidle, but they're at the twenty three man roster right now without dry sidle. And they've got right now like almost seventeen million in cap space. So, well, I think his well, no, because McDavid's twelve point five doesn't kick until after next year. Yeah, McDavid's right. only on the books for nine twenty five next year. Well, so this is their projected cap space for next year. Okay. Well, I guess it depends so who's coming off after go... too. Yep. into their McDavid jerseys for all I care. On a, yeah, on a flat cap, that's $22.7 million yeah. with the only other, like, Ryan Strom, Anton Slepashev, Drake Kajula, Euro Pekarainen, the Darnell Nurse, I guess. <laughs> like, there's not... Their yeah. RFAs aren't really going to kill anything. Patrick Maroon is like the high. He's going to be a UFA, and Mark Latestu. I don't know. Shut the hell up, Boilers yeah. fans. All of you. Yeah. Every single All right, so our last you. Hot, sorry. All right, so our last hockey-related thoughts are basically what the hell, Edmonton. Um, so, thank you for joining us for another episode of Winging It Motown. For JJ, Lauren, and Mike, I am Peter, and have a good night. Let's go Red Wings. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it.